Welcome to Catechesis, a digital outreach of First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange. Catechesis is Greek for teaching. That's precisely what we will do with this podcast. Take Christians back to their roots through spoken word and study. Here's your host, Pastor James Goodlett. Welcome to Catechesis, a production of Lewis and Broad Media. My name is James Goodlett. I'm one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church in downtown LaGrange, Georgia. Thank you, as always, for joining us. If you would like to listen to some other podcasts of ours, go to lewisandbroad.org, including our flagship production, the Lewis and Broad Podcast. We just dropped Season 3, Episode 3, and it was another good one. We're focusing on the art scene, specifically the music scene here in LaGrange. And it's all leading up to May the 1st from 2 to 6 p.m. where Lewis and Broad presents Listen LaGrange, a music festival to fight poverty, with all proceeds going to Circles of Troop County. That music festival will take place at Pure Life Studios. We'll have local singer-songwriters, food trucks, beer, wine, family-friendly, it's going to be a great day, and hope that you will make plans to attend. Also, please engage us on our social media. You can find us at Lewis and Broad on any of your main social media feeds, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. Now on to the text for this week. It comes from Luke chapter 15. It is the fourth week of Lent 2022. And our theme for the year, courtesy of our friends at Sanctified Art, you can find them at sanctifiedart.org. The theme is Full to the Brim, where we have focused on what it means to live life full to the brim, not just during Lent, but beyond it. And, and, and as we go to the scripture for today, I just want to say one thing about being a preacher. Now, there are certain texts that we get, that we are called to preach upon, that I will tell you, I might look at them and think, what in the world am I going to do with that? If you give me a text from, say, Judges, or some controversial text, some scripture in which something very violent or something very difficult happens, I will be the first to tell you those are not easy texts to preach. They push our theological and homiletical skills to the limit. But then there's another challenge I just want to to name. It's an altogether different one than the one I just described, but is no less difficult. And that is to preach the text that so many of us know by heart. It is really hard. And I'm not, please don't hear me. I'm not complaining or anything like that. I don't want to sound like I'm whining. But there are certain texts where you read them and you say, well, everything that's ever need to be said, needed to be said, has been said about this scripture. Easter sermons can be tough. Christmas sermons can be tough. Not because we don't love those stories. We do. It's just 
what else is there to say about him? I remember last Easter when I preached the resurrection story and somebody who was at our service or watched us online said, well, it was great, but you could have just read the story and sat down. You know, it is Easter after all. We know the story. I wanted to be like, thanks, man. That's awesome. But it's true. There are stories that we know by heart that it's tough to find something else to say about them. Every dot and tittle has been covered. Every possible angle, every gem has been mined. You get what I am saying. Originality is next to impossible. And those are, in their own way, challenging because you want, or at least I want, to find a word, a different word, that speaks to people's hearts in a different way, which may be a completely fruitless task, but it is what it is. That's what we are called to do. And as an example of one of those scriptures is this week's text from Luke chapter 15. The story that has been commonly called the parable of the prodigal son. Now, maybe you do not know this story, and if you don't, I would encourage you to look it up, Luke chapter 15, and you can start off with verses 1 through 3, and then you can continue on with verses 11 through 32. That is what we'll be doing in worship this week. You can read the whole chapter, though, because honestly, it's one of those chapters, and I'll get into this in a couple minutes, where the parables build upon one another. And you start to see a theme emerge. But in a nutshell, the parable, Jesus describes a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So the father divided his property between his two sons. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had, traveled to a distant country where he squandered his property, it says, in dissolute living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country. The citizen sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. This sentence to me, it's bottom of the barrel. This son was rock bottom. It says, he would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating. That word pods. That just, that word disturbs me. I'm not going to lie. Who wants to eat the pods that the pigs eat? No, thank you. Anyways, it says no one gave him anything. So then the son realizes what a mistake he has made. It says in verse 17, he came to himself. said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he went off to find his father. And when his father spots him, what does he do? says he was filled with compassion, and he ran. He didn't just walk. He didn't just wait for 
the son to get to him, he ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I should not be called your son. But the father said, quickly bring out a robe. He said this to his servants, his slaves, it says. Bring out a robe, the best one, the best I got, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. The father treats him like royalty. And get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Of course, there's also the other part of the story. There's an elder son who was in the field who is none too pleased when he finds out that the party that his father is hosting is in honor of this son who had left. And so the older son says, what in the world, dad? I'm not coming in. And the father comes out and pleads with him to come in. The son says, listen, all these years I've been working for you. I've never disobeyed a command but you've never given me anything, not even a young goat, so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this other son, when my brother comes back, who has squandered everything you gave to him, what do you do? You kill a fatted calf for him. And the father says to him, son, you're always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate. We had to rejoice. Because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and now has been found. Now, this is a very well-known story. We sing hymns about it. Sing, hymns have been written about it. I'm looking at you, Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And there have been thousands of sermons preached about it and Bible studies led about it. And And... People have looked at this story through different lenses, through different perspectives. They've written about what the prodigal son might be, might have been thinking or what the father might have been thinking or experiencing or the other son. It is a well-known and thoroughly preached parable. What else, what else is there to say about it? And I'll tell you the truth. What else is there to say about it? Nothing. There is not much else to say about it that hasn't been said before. No more theories or perspectives, no more clever insights, at least that, not that I'm going to come up with. But here, here is the thing. Here is what we can say, whether we are a preacher or whether we are not, when it comes to interpreting this and any scripture. The story of the prodigal has never been preached on March 27th, 2022 before. Which is to say, a truly new perspective on this story might not so much be about the story itself, but about what it has to say to us at this unique point in our history. How does the story of the prodigal preach for you at this time? 
How does it preach at a time when the Ukraine is under direct attack by the hand of their Russian neighbors? How does this story preach in a world that is still licking its wounds from a global pandemic? How does this story preach in a time when the first black woman in history has been nominated to be a Supreme Court justice? How does this story preach wherever it is you are? How does it preach to you and your people? Here in LaGrange, Georgia, for instance, how does it preach when children of color are struggling to read and when young men of color are dying by gunfire? Or when young people in our community, I heard today nearly 100 of them in our community, walk the streets homeless. What does the story of the prodigal say to that? Because that is a word about this text that has not been preached. It has never been preached right now. It's fascinating when you look up the word prodigal online. Our good friends at Merriam-Webster, they define it as such. Prodigal is characterized by profuse or wasteful expenditure. It is to be recklessly spendthrift. But it also means to yield abundantly. The story of the prodigal, reckless spendthrift though he was, This is what I want to talk about the rest of the chapter of Luke. It actually takes place in Luke 15 on the heels of two other stories, two other parables. One of them is about having a hundred sheep and losing one of them. Jesus says, does not, which one of you does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Then there is another parable in which Jesus says, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. You see the theme. Those are the two parables that precede the story of the prodigal son. But there's something else that precedes the story. It's in the very, very beginning, the first couple of verses. At the beginning of the chapter, it says, Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fella welcomes sinners and eats with them. That is why Jesus tells these stories. Because he was getting judged up and down by the so-called powers that were, that he was eating with tax collectors and sinners. And so he tells these stories about people who were lost. But not just about their being lost. And not just about their being found. 
but about the joy and the celebration and even the divine illogic of a God who would go to whatever lengths God has to go to find us. Divine justice in Luke 15 does not make sense. It really does not. It involves a shepherd leaving 99 other sheep behind to go find one. It involves having a party about finding one silver coin when the woman already has nine in hand. Divine justice does not make sense, not in our eyes. It is in and of itself prodigal. It yields abundantly. And so this story, I love what a pastor named Naveen Saras says about this on workingpreacher.org. Situating the story in a shame-honor culture, this son was lost. She notes, quoting N.T. Wright, that for this son to ask for his share before his father's death was the equivalent of saying to his father, I wish you were dead. This son was lost, and yet his father illogically gives him his share. And then he squanders it. This child should have been written off, but instead, what happens when he comes home? A party. The God we worship rejoices at finding the one lost sheep. The God we worship rejoices at finding the one lost coin. The God we worship rejoices when the prodigals among us come home. So here is how I will leave it today. What does it mean to worship such a God at this very time? What does it mean for you right now, where you are right now? What does it mean for your people right now? What does it mean in a world where we would just as soon tear one another apart than embrace one another? How does the prodigal preach? What does illogical, amazing grace look like in our world and in our communities and in our very lives? That's this week's Catechesis. Again, you can find other episodes of Catechesis on lewisandbroad.org. Also, if you want to listen to the preached word each week, we have another podcast called Kerygma. You can even listen to them back-to-back if you want, Catechesis and then Kerygma, just to see what was ultimately said. Either way, we do thank you all for listening and supporting our ministry here at Lewis and Broad. And as always, remember who and whose you are, and we will see you next time. Thanks for joining us this week at Catechesis. Be sure to follow along on our websites, 
lewisandbroad.org and fpclagrange.org. See you next week.